Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are recapping Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 17, A Tale of Pose and Fire. When a meeting of the Edgar Allan Poe Society at her inn is interrupted by a disaster, Lorelai must find rooms for the guests at homes around town. That's only half of the story. <laughs> yeah, really, but a great title. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into things, don't forget about our sticker giveaway to enter. All you have to do is write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Send us a screenshot to TalkingFastPodcast at gmail.com along with your mailing address and we'll send you a sticker. Mm-hmm. And we also want to highlight that we have a Patreon if you are interested in joining. You can listen to our episodes ad-free and support us on our $5 Gazebo Globe gazebo club <laughs> tier um to help you know support us as we make the podcast cool so what are your initial thoughts about this episode it was so fun i <laughs> instantly remembered this episode by the title alone and i think this is the like epitome of a good stars hollow shenanigans kind of episode and yeah and i also i study american lit so i'm Oh, yeah. I know Poe, I could say. So it was also fun for that reason. What did you think? I also loved it. I think that this might be one of my favorite season three episodes. Nice. And I'm not an American lit person, but I did have a pretty extensive emo phase. So I would say that I also know Poe uh-huh. at least a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love this. I feel like the writing for this episode was just so all the like storylines were so tight it was just Mm -hmm. such a good episode i agree and comedic yeah (laughs) it'll be a lot of fun to talk about Mm -hmm. but before that we know the drill (laughs) (laughs) let's do our talking Uh, fast segment and i think you are going first this week yep talk about a horrifying I don't know. I was trying to make a Poe <laughs> joke there, but it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you're not quite as like lined up as Lorelai was with her Poe jokes, which I were know. great. <laughs> I feel like she must have written those the night before. Like she was yeah. ready to go. She had like a tight five on Poe. <laughs> <laughs> I totally would have done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, are you ready? Yep. Okay. On your mark, get set, Poe! <laughs> <laughs> So Lorelai and Rory are going through making pro-con lists about all the universities she was accepted to. Meanwhile, we find out that there's an Edgar Allan Poe Society staying in town at the inn, and they do some cool Poe recitations. Um, Also, Nicole and Lindsay seem to have a thing like stink eyes for Rory and Lorelai, so that'll come up. And then there's a fire at the inn, which means that all the guests are displaced and they have to be sent around town and Lorelai solves all the problems and Rory decides on Yale. Uh. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, are you prepared? Um, yes. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> okay. Ready, set, Poe. <laughs> <laughs> we have the inn storyline with the Edgar Allan Poe guests staying there. They're also kind of invading town and doing their readings at Miss Patty's. The whole town is in attendance. That's when we learn about the Lindsay and Nicole sort of drama and tension. There's also this tension about is Jess going to school or not because he's been working a lot at Walmart. There is the fire and the rehousing and the Yale of it all as well. And Papaya the cat. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can't believe I forgot to talk Mm. about Papaya. Good old Papaya. (laughs) All okay. right. Should we slow down and tackle this really fun episode? <laughs> yes. We begin, as we do many episodes, at Luke's diner. Rory and Lorelai are beginning these pro and con lists of the different colleges that they'll kind of return to throughout the episode. Nice book end, really, because it ends with her ultimate decision. It's a fun sort of town moment where you know you've got luke learning about harvard and you've also got kirk coming in with my lorelei's closet oh Um, nice (laughs) he's got a t-shirt his new 
business that he got the idea for from copying someone else's idea (laughs) is to print shirts each day with like a topical saying of like something he overheard overheard about town and the first one it just says Babette ate oatmeal and (laughs) I like I think I vaguely remember this I might have seen this on Etsy on like a button or something like that and not quite remembering what it was a reference to but this kind of like clicked in my mind and I just think it's really very fun very much a Kirk idea and I also noticed that the font and the styling is very much like a film by Kirk so Mm -hmm. he's got his branding you know down he's really quite good at um, his own branding and merch and stuff so I definitely want to buy a t-shirt like this immediately (laughs) Uh, so I definitely have to give it my Lorelai's closet and really to all three of the shirts in the episode I liked all of them I could I'd get a set if I could (laughs) yeah there has to be something out there on Etsy somebody's made it (laughs) If not, it's a good business idea. Yeah. (laughs) We also, in this scene, find out that Jess has been named employee of the month at Walmart, which means that Luke is going to go to a little uh, recognition ceremony celebration. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'd call it a ceremony, (laughs) really, but (laughs) he'll go and see that, which I thought was nice. Like, Luke was super proud, even though he was trying to minimize it. That was nice. Yeah. I do think, like... I knew immediately that Jess wouldn't want him to go, which is pretty Mm -hmm. funny to me. It reminded me of how my parents have asked, like, can we attend your dissertation defense? It's like, I appreciate the thought, but also that would be agonizing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, like, some dissertation defenses are public, like, lectures. Ours are not. It would just be so awkward. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Anyways. So, yeah, that's how we start off with the episode with, the big question of is it going to be Harvard or Yale? I think we can pretty much ru- rule out Princeton from the first conversation. It doesn't yeah. really seem to be considered. It's kind of there. <laughs> yeah. And then in the next scene, we go to the inn <laughs> where Lorelai is looking for Suki and Suki is down on hands and knees on the ground <laughs> pretending to lick milk out of a bowl so that this stray cat named Papaya will learn how to eat. Um, Because Suki thinks she just needs to model the behavior for the cat. In any normal episode, this would have gotten my gazebo moment. Um, (laughs) But there are some other things. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm a cat person. And Suki gets my Lorelai's closet for her creative use of coffee filters. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She she pulls out two at the end of this scene is like, maybe what? What Papaya really needs is to think that I look more like a cat. So she puts them up above her head like two little cat ears and then gets back onto the ground oh my god it's just great comedy and the papaya just the cat presence i think is an edgar Allan poe nod uh, to his story the black cat oh yeah should have been a black cat yeah i know but maybe that would have been too obvious <laughs> yeah a little on the nose <laughs> <laughs> but i still liked it Right, and it was also a nod to the ongoing Sookie is Pregnant storyline where Mm -hmm. she talks about how her and Jackson are feeling very nurturing. They tried to make a prosthetic leg for a spider, (laughs) but it killed the spider on accident when they tried to attach it. So overall, a humorous way to remind us that Sookie is pregnant. And the other portion of the scene of note is the Edgar Allan Poe Society. They are all saying at the inn, As we mentioned, Lorelai has a whole set of jokes ready to go. My favorite is the sort of telltale heart reference where she informs a couple, like, don't worry, there's nothing like beating under the floor of your room. (laughs) And it turns out they're not with the society, so they're kind of (laughs) concerned. Um, And she has some other highly specific ones that I was pretty impressed with, but I felt bad for her because the guests didn't seem that impressed when she checks in another couple. They're like, we're not Trekkies. Like, I don't know. Like, I would have I would have laughed. I would have appreciated them. I I don't see how your love of Edgar Allan Poe to the point where you hire reenactors, go to a weekend, basically Comic-Con type thing for Edgar Mm -hmm. Allan Poe is not the same as Trekkies. Yeah. <laughs> like just because you're not putting prosthetics on your face for cosplaying doesn't mean <laughs> that 
that you're better than the Trekkies. A hundred percent. I thought that was also kind of a fun callback to Luke being a Trekkie, but. Oh, yeah. Or at least we make the callback, even if they don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The next scene uh, is at Walmart. So this is that, I don't know, celebration, recognition thing Mm -hmm. for, for Jess. And he... He seems to have the same persona at Walmart that he has in Stars Hollow because the manager is talking about how he's like a great worker, but good luck getting him talking and that (laughs) kind of stuff. So it sounds like he's pretty stoic and monosyllabic there as well. He refuses to give an acceptance speech. (laughs) And then he's also angry at Luke for coming, which I, I think... Luke going was just like so sweet because it's not normally the kind of ceremony you think of like a parent going to but yeah Luke hasn't had many opportunities to be proud of Jess really or to like show his pride in Jess so I Mm -hmm. thought it was nice that he showed up to this yeah and the manager is very like try hard manager sort of vibes yeah he walks over when he sees Luke talking to Jess and says I saw you jawboning with our boy like jawboning was such a weird way to talk about talking yeah (laughs) but he just you know compliments Jess some more and mentions you know that he works all of his regular shifts but then he is known for picking up extra shifts on top of his like 40 45 hours and this begins the questioning of is Jess going to school how can he possibly working how can he possibly be working that many hours like a full-time job on top of school and the diner and dating Rory? They don't necessarily make an explicit connection to him, like not being able to go be with Rory two episodes ago, like mm-hmm. because he was working, but they definitely could have done that like as a callback, but they all seem to really be questioning if he's going to school, but I'd be even more concerned just about, like, is he okay? Like, that's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, it's also, like, we don't really ever get an explanation of why he's working so much. Like, is it just to, I mean, there's something about getting a new car, but I don't know, it seems, yeah, it just seems excessive unless he has a goal in mind, like a, I don't know, a big goal, but I, I don't know, we haven't gotten that yet. He must have another reason. Like, the he tells Rory it's for a new car, but I feel like that is sort of, like, um, a cover story. Not mm-hmm. that he's, like, probably not hoping to buy a new car, but I feel like it must be something of he's always been at, like, the whims of, like, you know, what family member will take him and stuff like that. And I would imagine he would really like to be able to support himself in a situation like that or live alone and things like that. But you're right, Gal, we don't. I can't recall them exploring that. Yeah, that's interesting. And I don't remember exactly how it's managed, like when they find out he's not going or and not not graduating, mm-hmm. especially with such a show that's like so focused on college and going yeah. to like graduation and all that. I do like that we don't find that out in this episode. They are like making that be a multi-episode sort of arc, which is interesting because I kept waiting like, when's Luke gonna just follow him and then we'll talk about like why couldn't you just ask him but Luke does ask him in this episode you know like he does try yeah it's a mystery Mm -hmm. (laughs) the next scene we have is at Miss Patty's and this is the Edgar Allan Poe Society recitations we find out so we enter in with somebody reciting the Raven which of course is I think Poe's most famous work And it's something that you hear a million times in, like, sixth grade speech (laughs) contests. (laughs) It is a great poem, though. But they have, like, an interesting, like, setup with a stuffed crow backlit. It looks pretty cool. Good production value. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, Lorelai and Rory are, like, making fun of the Poe people throughout this whole thing. And then we get a second Poe come up, and this (laughs) is my Rory's bookshelf because there's a specific Poe story called William Wilson Mm. that's like a doppelganger story like an evil yeah an evil doppelganger so I just liked this idea of like two Poe's and it just reflects you know something that Poe himself has written um it's a great story it's I think I mean they're all disturbing but this is one Mm -hmm. of the more like 
yeah, you finish it and you still don't really know, was that doppelganger real or oh, was yeah. the character just going <laughs> a bit crazy? Right. So, you know, classic Poe. It's a good story. That sounds really good. I haven't read that one. I'll have to take a peruse. I suggest it. I also, I hate to admit it, like, I'd be one of the townspeople that is, like, bored. <laughs> yeah. This. I love, I would like to read the poem, but the attention span it takes to sit for the whole poem plus Mm -hmm. it being read a second time I kind of felt the same way where um like Miss Patty and Lorelai a couple others are asking like how many nevermores do we have (laughs) left which is great because that's like the repeating line in the poem so it's like even in their annoyance or boredom they're still like very knowledgeable about Poe so it was it was a fun scene and yeah (laughs) Um, there's also some like chatter between Lorelai and Rory about some more about college, some more about uh, Lindsay, because there's a sort of like exchange of eye contact uh, when, you know, Dean waves at Rory. Lindsay turns and sees this and kind of gives Rory like not exactly a look, but it's definitely not like her. I don't know. Her vibe is just not pleasant. It's definitely mm-hmm. tense. And I felt like it was a marked shift from last episode when when they met Lindsay it felt awkward but it didn't feel like Lindsay was being cold toward Rory Mm -hmm. but this definitely felt cold and it is paralleled also by some coldness coming from Nicole who's near Lorelai and offers her a pen but she says I'll need it back (laughs) (laughs) and Rory's like oh she's giving you some Lindsay energy so I I like the way that they're exploring and connecting like Lindsay and Nicole, uh, the parallel is good, I think, here in these stories. But I don't know, like, how do you feel about the Lindsay and Nicole of all of this, like the relationship dynamics going on here? Based off of everything we've seen from Luke and Dean, I feel like Lindsay and Nicole are justified in feeling yeah. a bit defensive about Rory and Lorelai, especially. With the things that Lorelai gets Luke to do in just this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's beyond girlfriend stuff. It's like, this is what you would do for your, like, married partner or something. Like, just abandoning your diner and allowing your partner to barge in and everything. And then mm-hmm. also letting them stay. Like, she let, or Luke let Lorelai to stay and didn't tell Nicole. Like, I think that's, Nicole is justified to feel a bit... Not necessarily jealous, but just, like, on guard. Yeah, wary. Yeah, I think the same with Dean. Like, he's kept up this friendship with Rory. They still, like, talk regularly. I I don't know. I think they're both justified. (laughs) What do you think? I I completely agree. And we, we, like, know that Dean pursued this friendship to get closer to her and potentially Mm -hmm. get her back. And... We don't really get to see the switch in his mind. Like when he decides to date Lindsay, like we don't know if she pursued him or he pursued her that I can't believe I'm asking for more Dean content, but it might be nice (laughs) to know the origin of their relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, did he view this as a rebound or was he actually interested in her? Because if it was very much like rebound origin, that would explain perhaps some of the cheating later on. And... Yeah, but on the Lorelai and Nicole side of it, it's just like it feels a lot like the Rachel stuff all over mm-hmm. again, except for the fact that like Rachel and Lorelai were friends, but there seems to be like not that at all between Lorelai and Nicole, partially mm-hmm. because like Nicole's not, you know, from Stars Hollow. She doesn't spend all her time there. Like Rachel just moved in, you know, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to see some more relationship drama coming up. And this is like, it's definitely yeah. building. The temperature is cold. <laughs> yeah. It's also just becoming so obvious that Amy Sherman Palladino hates blondes. <laughs> like, there's not a single, like, Nicole, I guess, maybe is kind of brunette-ish, but it's definitely more blonde. Lindsay's obviously blonde. Sherry was blonde a few episodes. Yeah. Shane was blonde. <laughs> I think, interesting, I would have described Nicole's hair as red. Oh, Maybe yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, because like kind of auburnish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, it is true. interesting, though, like, you're very right that she does not like blondes, which I think is telling about, like, how we're supposed to feel about Nicole. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Nicole is supposed to be exactly like a Lindsay or a Sherry or, um, but, like, I think we're just supposed to know, like, oh, she's a good option for Luke, but she's not the one, you know? Mm-hmm. Very yeah, fun. it's a very, as they said, weird vibes in here. Very Poe. <laughs> yeah, very Poe vibes. I like that. <laughs> I also liked the line where Miss Patty says, Poe suffered enough and now we have to suffer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by hearing yeah. two readings of The Raven, which is a long poem. Yeah, it really is. I I was going to say when you were saying that it's it would be hard to sit through, I think at one point I saw like a really like engaging dramatic mm-hmm. recitation that was really good that also had like props and stuff mm. and that was easier to pay attention to but yeah I also agree listening to a long poem just kind of read out and these it's hard Poe impersonators like I don't know I felt like they took a very dry approach to mm-hmm. it you know it was not lively and I this might sound weird but I think the best reading I've seen of Poe that uh, we've played in like a survey class before because we always read Poe with the students and one of my professors I TA'd for played um, a clip from The Simpsons. <laughs> like, oh nice. <laughs> Homer reads it and there's I don't even watch The Simpsons but it it kind of imagines it as well so it's not just like reading it's like you mm-hmm. have the like picture to go with it but that's actually really fun. <laughs> so I would say look that up on YouTube if you would like more Raven content. That just reminded me when I was in Boston, like I guess it was almost 10 years ago now, I, my friends and I did a Edgar Allan Poe Haunted Boston tour. Ooh. I highly recommend that for anybody going to Boston. And I feel I think that might have been where I saw the Poe recitation. That would make sense. Yeah, it was super spooky. It was good. <laughs> Well, continuing on this like Poe thread, I do have my Rory's bookshelf in the next scene, which is like everyone walking out of the reading and the two Poe's come out and they're like bickering about these like bio- biography facts and whatnot. Like was he, did he leave West Point in like 31 or 32, all of these things. So I placed my Rory's bookshelf here because I thought, of course, I need to do a Poe related thing. Um in this episode so it's related to like the debating of facts about his life so I just thought I would share some factoids and whatnot he he did get kicked out of West Point in 1831 so that sets the record straight and it was on purpose because like he wanted to leave but I also wanted to mention something I was a little horrified to learn that my people may know but if you don't know prepare to shudder so he married his first cousin, which is strike one. Oh. Um, strike two is that she was 13 Ugh. when they married. And he was 27. And they Ugh. had to, like, lie about her age when they got married. So, Ugh. yeah. That's a little <laughs> gross, to say the least. Um, but she died about, like, 11 years later of tuberculosis or, you know, consumption, as they would say. So there is some... Thing to be said about that potentially inspiring some of his work and like mm-hmm. obsession with death and whatnot because I guess he did love her as you know <laughs> gross as the origin <laughs> of the relationship is and not so much effect but just to reiterate that he's definitely associated with like gothic the gothic genre and from that like horror kind of stems from the gothic I believe and beyond the raven like I actually prefer his short stories like Mm -hmm. I really really like to teach the fall of the house of usher which is a mouthful um but other you know fun ones like our ad might mention (laughs) uh the mask of the red death is a really like yeah it's a great one to do with classes now um it's so good that's really good and you know telltale heart stuff like that um a lot of I always like doing it with students because, especially if it's around Halloween, you know, Mm -hmm. you could be like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I think when I I taught like an intro to fiction class and we read that William Wilson one Mm. Halloween week for our spooky story. It was a full spooky semester, though, but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't he have one that's about teeth? Mm, I haven't read that one. 
I can't remember the whole story, but there's something about teeth in there. <laughs> anyway, are creepy if you think about them too much. So. They're like a box of teeth or something like that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Also, in this like exit scene, the shirt that I would buy from Kirk is the faux pose, faux pose, foes. <laughs> a bit of a tongue twister. I love yeah, that one. Faux it's very pas. good. That was really clever. Yeah. <laughs> I placed my Stars Hollow moment for that as well because I really wanted it to be a twinned Lorelai's Closet and Stars Hollow moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I would separate it. And I think what is like so Stars Hollow about this in particular is like that he somehow got the shirt made in the time yeah. like how fast did he print these <laughs> and that also he's got like a table outside miss patty's and a sign that says they're now 80 percent off so it's like oh they didn't sell that way around town the day before um does he like scrape off the words and just use the same yeah. shirts i hope like i hope he's not i don't know did he accidentally order like a thousand black sh- t-shirts and this is what happened like i don't know but I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah. He does seem to give them away to the inn people, like, after their all their stuff is displaced. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's nice. That's good. Good cause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after, after everybody kind of disperses in this scene, Dean and Lindsay come up and talk to Lorelai and Rory, and Rory tells the stupid <laughs> magnet story again. That was Lorelai's fault, though, because yeah, she called true. Lindsay like <laughs> magnet girl to her face. And of course, you would yeah. want to know if someone called you magnet girl. Like, um, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's super weird. Um, but the Dean also says that he got into Southern Connecticut State University and they're like congratulating him and stuff. And um, Lindsay says she needs to get home and Dean says he needs to take her, which I didn't find is rude but as they walk away Lorelai and Rory of course are saying that Lindsay was being very mean and rude which I thought was a bit of a a dramatic everybody has to be nice to me kind of statement (laughs) but you know yeah whatever (laughs) and then after this Luke and Lorelai kind of walk off together and they start talking about Jess Jess's uh, recognition and his hours at work and Lorelai kind of suggests for the first time what we've all been thinking <laughs> is that maybe he's not going to school. Maybe he's just working. Mm-hmm. And Luke, I think this shows like kind of how their Luke and Lorelai's relationship about Jess has changed since that time they had that big blow up fight. Because Luke at first is defensive, like he doesn't want to believe it. There's no way they had a deal. Uh, Jess... If he has, if he's going to live with Luke, he has to graduate high school. But by the end of it, Luke kind of accepts that, you know, Lorelai's just voicing an opinion and leaves and there's no hard feelings. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge progression from the last time that they really talked about Jess. Though, honestly, at that point, Lorelai was also being much more abrasive. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a good comparison to draw because I think like, you even though we're going so slow you can almost forget like how bad Lorelai was toward Jess and like her attitude about him and it's like easy to not view her treatment of him now as some like really big improvement but it actually is and even though you know Max like said oh I can tell you hate him she didn't even outright say like oh yeah I definitely hate him you know like she's definitely trying and I think they just don't draw as much attention to it necessarily but she really is she really has changed based on like disrespecting Rory and what's right for her and then you see that also like simultaneously with Lorelai and Yale too like mm-hmm. I feel like we we did get some signs of Lorelai coming around to it but they didn't exactly make that like in our face but in this episode later on it's like yeah I think like a lot of the things we were harping on about the way she is with Jess and Yale. Like, she's definitely, like, improved quite a lot. So it's, like, Mm -hmm. props to her. Yeah, she's maturing. (laughs) (laughs) Also, at the very end of this scene, we get Kirk kind of accosting one of the Poes, asking how he can get a career as a Poe 
the poe impersonator is like this isn't really a career it's just <laughs> something i do like once or twice a year or whatever on the weekends mm -hmm. but kirk of course thinks he can turn it into a career so he can make everything a career <laughs> yeah i would see i would watch him as poe that would be fun oh he'd make a great poe yeah you should do it next year <laughs> he'd be very dramatic i bet yeah and let's see the next scene we're back at home sleeping in bed <laughs> and mm -hmm. rory comes into lorelei's room with a phone call from the inn at first lorelei thinks it's just like the fire alarms tripping going off but it ends up there's actually a fire and they all rush off to the inn very scary yeah and when they get there everyone is outside and so lorelei has to kind of devise a plan really quickly she tells rory to entertain the kids and rory says how do you entertain kids and i thought same rory like <laughs> i would also be helpless with that Suki and Mich michelle are also like tasked with various things to help um with the situation michelle starts to call the cheshire cat in i love that throwback mm -hmm. and lorelei's like oh great idea to contact nearby inns for brooms and it turns out, though, he's looking for a job. And I thought that was hilarious. And Lorelai closes his phone. But I'm like, how? F I thought the Cheshire Cat Inn was further away since yeah. it was like on their route to Harvard. But I'm not going to be too nitpicky about that. I'm just glad to hear about it again. <laughs> yeah. I also couldn't see Michelle working there. Oh, <laughs> not in a hundred years. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> I thought. Lorelai's like skill at delegating in this scene and later on also is just like amazing mm -hmm. she doesn't even skip a beat and she's just in problem solving mode which kind of shows why she is the manager of the inn and why she's so good at her job it was great yeah in their the phase two of their plan involves that morning taking over Luke's um Sookie just like barges in and like says just push his stuff push his stuff I don't even want to see it and like you mentioned earlier Luke like allowing this to happen is very much something he would do for Lorelai and no other I believe um other parts of phase two Rory is doing sock puppets in a very funny like gender role kind of way she's got Mr. and Mrs. Sock Puppet and Mr. Sock Puppet doesn't want to take out the trash <laughs> and we've also got um Babette, Michelle, and Miss Patty doing the emergency headquarters, which had a lot of fun back and forth about Miss Patty answering the phones, uh, Babette learning how to use the computer, and Michelle losing his mind. <laughs> Was there anything in like these different phase two scenes that stood out to you? We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. We are pleased to announce the annual meeting of the Edgar Allan Poe Society in Stars Hollow. Join us at Miss Patty's for dramatic readings by Poe impersonators. And yes, you heard that plural right. We are having not one, but two Poes. After an accidental but successful doubleheader of two Poes and recitations of The Raven last year, we've decided to make multiple Poes a new tradition. Instead of the raven, this year our two Poes will take turns narrating a topical Poe short story, The Mask of the Red Death. This is a story of a plague and a prosperous prince who tries to hide away from it while his subjects are left vulnerable. If two Poes and a relevant story aren't enticing enough, we have one last thing to offer you. Kirk is also back this year to offer a commemorative t-shirt. We don't know what the slogan will be just yet, but it's sure to be great. Mention to Kirk that you listen to Talking Fast, and you can get a 20% discount on the shirt. Since they're usually already 80% off, depending on how abysmal sales are, that means you might just get a free shirt. Yeah, my Stars Hollow moment was actually the stuff in Miss Patty's, mm. um, because I just love anything with Babette and Miss Patty, and Miss Patty answers the phone in like a funny like almost British accent and of course Michelle gets angry at how she answers it um but then when Lorelai comes in and starts saying like we need to find a place for these people to stay Miss Patty and Babette like don't even hesitate and they start to offer their houses for these guests to stay in and I just loved this like show of 
solidarity from the whole town. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a single person that seemed like we don't see Taylor in this episode, so yeah, I don't know what that would have been like. <laughs> but everybody's super supportive. Like it's not it's not Miss Patty or Babette's problem at all. They don't they don't need to be involved, but they're just like automatically there to help. And I thought that was a very Stars Hollow hospitality type thing. Mm-hmm. Just very helpful altogether. That wouldn't happen in every town, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wouldn't uh, happen, I think, in like most towns. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if I would offer up my house to strangers. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I would. Especially I'm ones that mean. are interested in Edgar Allan Poe, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit that's a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be stereotyping now, but <laughs> Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Later that day, Rory has, you know, gone to school. So, like, she had that whole night and then a school day. Yeah, Once again, I respect her for being able to go to school after the dance marathon as well. I was like, geez, she needs more sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. But she's at school. Mostly the scene is about letting us know that Paris hasn't been in school for five days. And... I also thought it was funny that this teacher was going on about like, this will be the last midterm you take. And she also (laughs) starts going on about college. And like, she says, I know one of you has been accepted to Harvard. And I just felt that was so forced. It's like a reminder, like Rory got in, Paris did it. Because I don't feel like Harvard is on like a pedestal compared to Yale. Like I don't know. That could, I could be wrong. But I was just like, I don't think, what is the deal with Harvard in this show? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I would think like most of Chilton students probably go to Yale. Yeah, or more would, like than idolize it probably. Yeah, cuz it's like in their backyard kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that was that we've also seen that teacher before. I don't remember if she was teaching the same thing <laughs> when we saw her previously, but she's like a fine extra but not the best. Yeah, teacher. she was the one <laughs> um from last episode who kept going on about like trying to get seniors to care in the bicentennial I think that was her too and yeah she's (laughs) been tasked with like the same exact scene though both times Mm -hmm. like be talking talking and then okay the classroom like it's actually not what she's saying that is the main point of the scene yeah (laughs) after this Madeline and Louise have not noticed that Paris has been gone for the past five days but then we get this great scene in Paris's bedroom, which is mm-hmm. full of like the most ridiculous antique furniture and like bronze <laughs> sculptures and busts of like Roman senators and stuff. And Hilarious. It was just like crammed full of stuff, like more than you would ever have in a bedroom. Yeah. She's also got her own Harvard wall, just yeah. like Rory. Yeah. I don't remember if I mentioned that. I think I did the last time they, there was a scene where they had that phone call and her Harvard wall was like behind her and it was just like they're fighting yet they both have the same exact Harvard walls you know like they're so similar (laughs) yeah Paris is watching some soap opera it seemed in her nightgown in bed with a box of chocolates and Rory comes in and kind of gives her a bit of tough love and is like you know you have to find a life path Harvard it wasn't the only option She's probably got a whole bunch of other acceptance letters downstairs. She kind of uh, berates her for not, like, reaching out to Jamie, for not talking Mm to Rory herself, for just, like, isolating herself in her room and mulling over things. And it works. Paris wants to finish the episode, which I understand. (laughs) But then she's, like, she's going to bug up and go out and look at her acceptance letters. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was a very successful pep talk from Rory here. I do also have my Friday night dinner critique in this scene, which is a follow-up from last week about this Paris storyline as a whole. As we kind of discussed a bit in this episode, there is this, like, we find out that Paris, like, tape-recorded her interview, so she plays a bit from it. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of them writing a backstory of, like, why she didn't get into Harvard and... It is definitely bad. Like, she's, like, talking really fast. And the um, she randomly asks, like, is it hot in here? Um, the <laughs> interviewer, like, tries to talk, but she, like, kind of talks over him and says she needs to finish. Um, 
so again, it's like, I just feel like this is, I don't know, like a band-aid for this storyline. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm just not very convinced by the writing of it. And I already talked about it, so I don't want to go too much more into it. But it's just like, I still stand by I think she would have done a good interview and if they want her to have done a bad interview I think they should have shown that and the reason why as well so that is how I believe but this is also twinned Friday night dinner though because I do want to kind of critique Paris herself for the content of what she was saying in the interview (laughs) Uh, she's talking about like population control which is definitely like a thinly veiled cover-up for like talking about eugenics and whatnot Mm -hmm. and we've talked about that before with Paris and like later on her like baby machine company or whatever um that's not what it's like her um fertility uh, clinic yeah her fertility (laughs) clinic (laughs) so um it's interesting that like the seeds of that are actually here because I always felt Mm -hmm. that was such a random thing for her but maybe it's not so random in hindsight uh yeah yeah I just wanted to talk a bit about her tape recorded interview (laughs) yeah I can't imagine her like not having practiced her interviews I also wonder like the interviews ostensibly would have happened months ago so I kind of feel like she would have listened to that back many times after the Mm -hmm. interview and known that it had gone badly and we would have seen that come up for her earlier like she would have been bugging Rory to find out what her interview was like or something like that so it was kind of yeah, I like I like your explanation of it's just a Band-Aid because <laughs> it doesn't make that much sense. I, obviously, her Yale interview went fine. So maybe it was just like she was supposed to be psyched out for Harvard or something. Yeah, I don't think it would have taken much to like write something because, yeah, like, oh, she's just really nervous because she cares so much. Like, mm-hmm. that's easy to believe, I think, definitely. Um, but on the topic of harvard and yale and whatnot the next scene is later that night where lorelei and rory are getting her room ready for their guests and lorelei picks up these pro and con lists and notice that yale has a lot more pros compared to the other colleges and she goes like it's yale like and i just like how decisive Lorelai was about that and kind of being able to speak the truth that Rory is a bit too afraid to say perhaps because of what Lorelai has said about Yale and also just like the whole like life goal of Harvard for Rory um I don't know I just find it exciting the shift of her deciding Mm -hmm. to go to Yale and I know it's because of like a story reason but I I don't know I just always liked the way like it was like, surprise, you think yeah. it was going to be Harvard, but it's not. <laughs> I think it's like pretty realistic too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just have something in your mind that you're so set on and then another opportunity comes up that's way better for you. And like all of a sudden you're just like, obviously this one's better for me than the other one, even though I'd been working towards that for ages. So it's realistic, especially for somebody her age. Yeah. Yeah, I liked how Lorelai was also very like yeah she was very sure in her stance that it was Yale and she also like kind of apologized in a way for like kind of going anti-Yale so much in the past um and she says that what really matters is you know that Rory is in the right place for her and so yeah it's Yale it's Yale (laughs) after this Lorelai also kind of does a little recon for Luke and asks what <laughs> Jess has been up to um, and if he's going to school like part-time or something, which I thought was an interesting kind of way to word this in a yeah, super like, roundabout way. Yeah, work credit? <laughs> yeah. Which was a thing at my school. So it was yeah. actually like a pretty strategic way to ask about it. Yeah. And I think that like my high school, my first high school didn't have work credit, but the second high school I went to did and also had like a like trade you could do certain credits as like apprenticeships for different trades and stuff and I think mm-hmm. that that needs to become way more popular and everything yeah. in the U.S. <laughs> um, but yeah I think so that was a an interesting way to bring it up and Rory hasn't noticed anything she obviously hasn't been asking about Jess's school 
We don't really know at this point much of what they talk about except for books and making out, which I guess is enough. (laughs) That's enough, yeah. (laughs) And then before they can get into it more, the guests start to show up for sleeping in Rory's bed, which I thought was weird because it's a twin bed and supposedly both of them are going to be sleeping in there. I know. I was like, how are they going to (laughs) fit? Yeah. And then so Rory leaves because she's staying at the Kim's and Lorelai is going to keep her room. But at the end, another couple shows up because they're like, oh, you just made it sound so fun. So we (laughs) can we stay here? And Lorelai says yes. And I just found that like so annoying. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I would have just like slammed the door in their face like they were able to go home. It was just. Yeah. Oh, I found that so aggravating. But just shows how great Lorelai is at hospitality (laughs) that she said yes. (laughs) I guess so. Mm -hmm. This also shows that these other people are have no conception of hospitality workers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Rory goes off to Lane's and I like that they're kind of sleeping downstairs in the shop because Mm -hmm. upstairs Lane has given up her room for guests. The second Poe and his wife. (laughs) Oh yeah. I imagine sleeping down in the antique room would also be very spooky. Yeah. All those old things, like weird shadows at night and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would also be kind of a fun, thrilling sleepover. So they're talking a little bit. Lane is talking on the phone with Young Chu, who we find out has broken up with his girlfriend, (laughs) which was kind of the whole, like, reason it was working out between Lane and him, because they both had secret partners that they were trying to like get more time with and it ends up that young chu has been calling lane every single night to talk to her and just you know refuses to break up um because that was the plan for him to break up with her so then she could go out with dave and again rory says what everybody's been thinking which is maybe young chu likes lane uh, it's very mm-hmm. obvious and lane of refuses to understand until like mid-sentence and then she's like oh no <laughs> he does <laughs> yeah roy's like you shouldn't be surprised you're a catch and she's like but i've already been caught <laughs> which i thought was great uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah that's gonna be a problem for lane going forward <laughs> also in this scene jess knocks on the window and comes in um is or not he doesn't come in he stands at mm-hmm. the window and talks to rory and this is where i have my friday night dinner which kind of goes along with your friday night dinners i'm just upset at jess's like continued dishonesty mm. towards rory and we've also had like because of this relationship rory hasn't been honest with lorelei sometimes so it's just like another sign that this relationship isn't good <laughs> for either of them and jess lies about everything he kind of backhandedly says that he is still going to school um there's nothing to worry about he's got it all under control and he just doesn't give rory any indication of the truth and then mrs kim storms in and jess uh takes a quick departure which is good he asked Mm -hmm. her to go outside with him (laughs) and i was like what do you think is gonna happen like you're gonna go and have sex in the bushes or something like (laughs) what what do you what are you planning here Jess I yeah I I feel like some you know the the young the youth can Mm -hmm. (laughs) as if I'm not that young myself but very like one track mind of yeah horniness I feel like because yeah what what were you going to do what was the plan there was no plan um but to go back, I think your point about the dishonesty is a good one. And it um, it, I, it has me thinking like maybe him and Rory are meant for each other, but in, like in the bad way and that they're both yeah. similar <laughs> because um, like Rory is less so about dishonesty, but the whole like not talking to anyone ever about her feelings or being open, like Jess also doesn't do that. And he doesn't do it with her or Luke like the closest people in his life and you know yeah he just isn't vulnerable with her like about this either so it's just how can they go anywhere when they both have this behavior Mm -hmm. you know it's only gonna thwart them going forward yeah and it just reminds me again I know I've said this a million times but 
just the amazing character arc that Jess has mm-hmm. throughout the entire series where he like overcomes a lot of this. Yeah. But then Rory in so many ways continues the same pattern, if not gets worse as time goes on. So Ironic. it's just yeah, very interesting. <laughs> and it it's another sign that like their their distrust is still there as well because mm-hmm. like Lorelai doesn't have to do much to plant the seed in Rory's mind. Like yeah. she immediately questions Jess about it, you know? Like she immediately she defends him to Lorelai, but then turns right around and is like, Are you going to school? Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And Rory has like fresh in her mind that Dean is going to college, like whether mm-hmm. he actually does or not. He's the and last thing with college. Yeah. And Jess, if he's not going to school, that means he's not going to have a high school diploma. So he's also not going to college. So what is, mm-hmm. you know, <sighs> more comparisons. <laughs> yep, indeed. I think it's an, it's interesting that we will get the episode soon where they attempt a Jess spinoff that was, you know, doomed. But I feel like they still actually managed to keep all of that character growth like within the show. I like I don't know I wonder if that's why he gets really good character growth because like maybe they had plans for that in that show and then it didn't happen but they still managed to like work it in yeah either way it's like really impressive like of all of the love interests or characters in general though like he might be most improved of any character on the show we'll have to see (laughs) by the time we're done (laughs) yeah that's true at the very end we'll do like a a recap episode of the entire series like oh boy and have to decide who's awards. most improved <laughs> some series like MVP, yearbook most improved oh, yeah gosh. i'll put it on my calendar for a couple years <laughs> from oh, now <laughs> uh, anyways mm-hmm. um what i skipped over a bit earlier is that during this we also get lorelei walking around the town square <laughs> calling rory and just like bemoaning the fact that she is now without a place to sleep she has all sorts of like dr- dramatic lines and everything mm-hmm. and talks about how she's her her house is now the town square that's where she'll be sleeping <laughs> rory proposes the very obvious solution of why don't you see if you can stay at luke's <laughs> um which is an obvious solution but it's also maybe one that went, wasn't the best choice yeah uh just like interpersonally my immediate thought was like what about Sookie's but then I was like well she probably also has a lot of people because you know she is with the inn so it would make sense that she has people at her house too but I was immediately like oh this is a bad idea (laughs) I was like as they were talking on the phone I was looking at the beds that Rory and Lane were setting up and I was like they could they're both skinny they could sleep on like Lorelai could just stay with them (laughs) yeah invite her Uh, over (laughs) yeah (laughs) if two people can sleep in Rory's bed two people could sleep on one of those cots yeah (laughs) yeah or they could just like push both of them together and have an extra large bed that'd be I would hate that but (laughs) yeah who in the wasn't it Babette earlier who said like we got cots like about her house yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that does seem like something Babette would have Mm mm-hmm but anyway, she decides to go to Luke's. She ends up throwing a rock at his window, which, based on recent experience in my apartment building, is not a good thing to do. You'll probably <laughs> break the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Luke pokes his head out, as does the neighbor who wants them to shut up. And he allows Lorelai to come up and stay there. And they start preparing a bed and everything and bicker in their cute little way about Mm-hmm. where the sheets should be tucked in and then nicole calls and luke conveniently neglects to mention that lorelei is actually there he does tell nicole about the fire and everything and you kind of get the feeling like he says that there was an a fire at the inn and we nicole obviously says something like lorelei's in mm-hmm. and then luke is like yeah it was hers so you can tell that they've also had other conversations about lorelei uh not a good sign <laughs> yeah which he explains after the call um Lorelai asks why he didn't mention that she was there which I think was good of her <laughs> and mm-hmm. um he's like well it didn't come up and she's like oh yeah f- like of course it didn't come up like that's the kind of thing you're supposed to tell someone 
And it's even worse knowing, as Luke explained shortly after, that Lorelai is a sore point in their relationship because he was talking about Lorelai on the first date. And I'm sure Nicole has eyes, so she's observed, like, their behavior and relationship. And I don't know. Like, I feel like often Luke gives good relationship advice to Jess and, like, overall he's a pretty good guy. But, like, that was definitely a clueless maneuver Mm -hmm. on his part to, like, not tell his girlfriend or the woman he's dating, like, I'd be very upset if I were Nicole and I'm sure she will be moving forward when she likely will find out about this. So yeah, (laughs) trouble is a brewing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My first thought was like Luke could go and stay at Nicole's, but then Lorelai Mm -hmm. and Jess would be staying in Luke's little (laughs) studio apartment together alone. That would just be like a minefield. (laughs) Well, at least it wouldn't be Dean. That's true. (laughs) She should have called Dean. (laughs) All right, enough. (laughs) The other part of this scene that gave me such secondhand like agony from like how awkward it was, um, but in a way that is so like slow burn romance at the same time, was that Lorelai for some reason starts to talk about the dream she had from the very beginning of season three. So I like that it came back, actually. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, the alarm clock, I think, makes her think. And she started like, oh, you set alarms. And I came down and you like talked to my stomach or whatever. (laughs) And he's like, what? And comes up about twins and all of this stuff that they were married. She doesn't quite say that they kiss. But like, I mean, obviously, if they have twins, that kind of relationship is implied. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know. It's just like, uh, uh, why would you bring this up? And it reveals so much, I feel like. Yeah. He tells her she shouldn't drink coffee if she's pregnant, which I... Mm -hmm. I, Is that said in the dream? I don't remember. Um, it might... She might have said, like, he was making coffee. Okay. But anyways, after, like, Lorelai lays down to go to sleep and Luke has a little smile on his face, (laughs) which just drives home the fact that it's a problem (laughs) Mm -hmm. that she's staying there and he's with nicole Uh, and she's in uh, his bed mm -hmm. which looks really small by the way yeah it was like a twin bed (laughs) i know that she made fun of him for that previously like i think when jess was about to move in or something or when he was talking about dating or whatever like you can't bring a girl home to a twin bed but later on when they're dating he's obviously upgraded to a full size or queen bed That's or something. Telling, very telling. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lorelai though that night can't sleep very well because apparently Luke and Jess both snore, which would be a deal breaker for me. I can't stand snoring. <laughs> yeah, gotta have like a very loud white noise machine on or something. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the next morning, uh, down in the diner, Luke and Suki have started working perfectly together. And they are making something, or Luke asks Suki if they're making something that is my got a taste test, Mm. which is Cajun Eggs Benedict. I love Eggs Benedict, and I just, like, can imagine that this would be delicious. Yeah. I want to try it. And it symbolizes how they're getting along. Yeah. And, like, the fusion of their cooking. Yeah. (laughs) I, I wish we got more of that. I think we get, like, a little bit more of that in later seasons, but... Mm -hmm. They they obviously have so much in common, you know. I need to check um, Larissa Eating Gilmore's oh, yeah. website or Instagram. I, I definitely bet she made these, so maybe yeah. we could find a recipe. <laughs> yeah, it's either these or, like, Suki also lists off a couple other, like, taste like tasty-sounding oh, things. Right. Yeah. I didn't write those down because I was too consumed by the idea of Cajun <laughs> eggs Benedict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. We also get Jess heading off to school. It seems to be a little bit early. Yeah. So he says he has a group project that he has to go work on, which is a pretty elaborate lie. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, he's still not being forthcoming in any way. Mm -hmm. And then we also get a call from the fire marshal saying Mm. that Lorelai can come back to the inn. And she's she's given a stuffed crow from the Poe Society as a thank you. That was good. Uh, weird. 
Um, my gazebo moment happens like following this scene at the diner. It's like the back and forth scenes mm-hmm. of the you know the three people at the inn and then rory going into her room and i like the juxtaposition that was yours too yeah (laughs) yeah i i really like the juxtaposition of these very like momentous things happening one is like very positive and the other Mm -hmm. is like very negative and it's kind of like beginnings in a way um where like they go into the inn to discover it's been like really destroyed by the fire and meanwhile Rory is going home to see that Lorelai redid her wall to be a Yale wall and she like there's a lot of shots of her like standing in front of it um and that she also gets a shirt about (laughs) Rory going to Yale which is great the third shirt by Kirk um I just thought it was a really cool like interplaying Mm -hmm. of these like very different moods you know and like things that really affect the series going forward what did you like about them for basically those exact reasons I it was like the big emotional heart of the episode Mm -hmm. but yeah also like if the inn hadn't been destroyed in this fire how long would it have taken Lorelai and Sookie to start the dragonfly inn of course Mm -hmm. there's like another impetus to that coming up but it just kind of shows that like they they needed this push to move on with their goals and it's also the changing and the like the beginning of Rory's life as a college student it just signifies so much in these last like three minutes Mm -hmm. and I also just loved the Sookie and Lorelai and Michelle's faces as they were looking at all the kind of charred remains of the hotel um it was just so so shocked and stunned by Mm -hmm. everything and I can imagine that would be exactly how you'd feel um seeing something like that it was very moving it was really sad and it's like we've had so many scenes at the Independence Mm -hmm. Inn like and we've talked before about the kitchen as like a very much like place that Rory and Lorelai go to it's like I don't know it's just wow it's so sad to see it like that yeah it's where Rory grew up also yeah Yeah. the beginning of new things I guess Mm -hmm. I also like that papaya was still there yeah (laughs) it really reminded me of um Prue's cat in the Hunger Games oh yeah after like (laughs) the whole district is destroyed the cat survived (laughs) yeah yeah, covered in soot and mm-hmm. ash. <laughs> Poor mm-hmm. papaya. I wish that papaya became like a mainstay of the Dragonfly Inn. That'd yeah, be cool. that would have been cute. Maybe papaya like charged too much though, you know, because <laughs> yeah. she was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she became a barn cat to take care of the horses, eat all mm-hmm. the mice. They have yeah. horses at the Dragonfly, right? Or they at least think uh, about having horses. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. This was a, yeah, I think one of my favorite episodes, Mm -hmm. strangely also one of our shorter recordings so far for the past few months, but I think it's because the writing was like just so It was tight, you know, yeah. Who was I think there's less to critique as well. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I had a hard time finding my Friday night dinner Mm -hmm. and I, because yeah, there wasn't like a big writing qualm that I had. Yeah. And like the... Just stuff is kind of ongoing dishonesty. Yeah, it was a lot of like of stuff. extension stuff, yeah. I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm sure will come to a head soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, with all of this said, who is your MVP for the episode? My MVP was Lorelai because she just did like, it's just so, it made me so proud seeing her like really take charge and deal with such a hard situation. And as she tells Luke, like, you never know how you're going to deal with a situation like that, but she did a great job, um, and she acknowledges that she did a great job, so I think that's a really good a good feeling to have, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just liked pretty much everything she did in this episode. Who was yeah. your MVP? My MVP was Rory, the second Gilmore girl. I admired her with Paris 
for one. Um, like she was a good friend to both Paris and Lane in this episode. You know, she told Lane, like, someone's in love with you. She told Paris, <laughs> get out of bed. You know, like she did some good pep talks or just, you know, supportive talks in general. But ultimately, I just I can re- I don't know. I respect the whole like making a big life decision, doing these pros and cons, like coming to terms with like realizing you're really going to shift the path that you thought was for you and how momentous that is. And I just feel like a little proud of her almost in the end when it's revealed that she's going to Yale. And it's just so exciting. And it's such a new chapter of the show, like we said, with her as a college student at Yale. And I, for all of their problems, I still really enjoy that part of the series. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you get so much of Stars Hollow Rory that it's such like, a fun shift to get then get Yale Roy and all this like new stuff. So I'm really looking forward to that in season four. And I don't know. I think maybe I like Yale because of the show, but like I get excited when she picks Yale. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also I just like the Yale colors better. Agreed. And like they have the bulldog, like yeah. I don't know, everything <laughs> about Yale. I like the vibe more. <laughs> yeah. I was just at some Lincoln stuff this last weekend. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the uh, rub Lincoln's nose for a good luck thing, which causes all the like bronze busts of Lincoln to have a bright, bright colored nose. <laughs> yeah, because so many people have rubbed it. And doesn't the same thing happen with the Yale bulldog, like rubbing yeah, one of I his feel toes like a lot or of something? Colleges have superstitions about like yeah. <laughs> do something ritualistic at this item or thing mm-hmm. before an exam, stuff like that. <laughs> Very. Very college Yeah, I'm excited to get to the college stuff. I also enjoy it. Obviously, I'm somebody who, like, kind of likes the college atmosphere as somebody who spent, like, 12 years <laughs> in college. Uh, um, but yeah. I know. I feel like we're about to graduate. It's, on, it's honestly kind I of know. fitting that we are, you know, about to do Rory's graduation when mm-hmm. we've both done momentous academic things as yeah. well. Yeah, I just graduated last weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should post a picture. Oh, yeah. We yeah. Good get up. We forgot Maybe to we get pictures of just graduates. us. Maybe yeah. we'll do like a side by side to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess All right. next we only have five episodes left in this season. We got a lot to happen. So, yeah, we're making our way. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll have some long episodes ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> These are some heavy hitters coming up. <laughs> yeah, they really are. All right. Well, talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.